Well, first thing about the debates, I mean, really, the whole thing was terrible. There was no real debate. Basically, what it was, the debate itself, was Biden just saying his propaganda. That's number one. Number two, he never brought any evidence or proof or any support for anything he said. He just said what he said. Besides that, he ignored many of the questions that Wallace asked. He just ignored it and changed the topic. And besides that, you know, he ignored all the Trump accusations. So then in what way was it a debate? He was very bad, Wallace. You know, he should have given each person an attempt to refute what was said. But he never did. He just wanted to continue. You see, it was a very poor debate. And uh, I think that in general, I think that's the general view, the consensus. It was really a very poor debate, you know. Uh, you could see how frustrated Trump was because he couldn't refute or he couldn't answer to uh, Biden's lies. And Biden just repeated a lot of the lies of the media. It was really just a terrible debate, you know. Um, you know, it would be oh, interesting to see, you Biden know, what... Biden everything that the Democrats were doing onto the Republicans. Say that again? Biden was projecting everything that the, the Democrats were doing onto the Republicans. Yeah, of course, exactly. That's exactly what he does. So, that's why, in the end, the whole thing is a shaker. You know, that the whole thing is a lie. That's why the debate, in many ways, is worthless. It's not a real debate. You see, it's not a real debate. Ah. Uh, uh, hopefully the American people will not fall for this, and uh, you know they will see what the truth is. You know, <clears throat> look, only God can save America. You know that's really the whole, the, the the real story. You know, um, only the Bunchum can can do what he wants to do, and uh, save America because America is slowly de- America is degenerating, deteriorating rapidly in many many different ways. You know, <clears throat> also, you know, you see that the COVID is uh, really, uh, uh, what is interesting to note is that COVID in Israel, the whole country is in a lockdown, which tells you that this is a national punishment. This is not a punishment directed at only one person. It's really a punishment that is directed to everybody. So what I suspect what it really is, is called the straw event. Because in the end, uh, Paroi, since the Jews were not worthy to go out, they still had to, in many ways, uh, atone for a lot of the stuff. So what the Bershom did is he accelerated the process. And the way he did that was he tremendously intensified the Asuran, the suffering that the Jews had. And what he did was, of course, as Pare said, that they have to gather straw. So it comes out that, you know, when, when could they sleep? During the day, they would have to make the bricks. And at night, they would have to gather the straw instead of Egyptians doing it. So it was terrible for the Jews. But the suffering that they experienced accelerated the process of kapara, of atonement. And that's what has to happen before the redemption. And what my feeling is, is that that's exactly what's happening before the redemption, 
uh, in terms of the uh, the, the COVID, uh, you know, ha- happening to the entire Israel. So this is, like I said, this is not just an individual punishment. It's a national punishment, which means that it's acting as a tremendous kapora before a messianic era, you know. So all things point to that. Uh, they all point that in, in many ways we are ending an era of uh, of Gaulus, that the Gaulus is <clears throat> that the exile, the Gaulus is slowly ending, and what's going to happen is uh, that the uh, the Gula, the redemption, will start in a slow manner, but the key is that it begins, <clears throat> even if it takes a while to develop. But the main thing is that the Gaulus is ending. And the, 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 there's a tremendous turnaround in, in, the, in world history. So <clears throat> that's, I think, what's happening, you see. So what that means, if that is true, that Trump will win, he will continue to allow Israel, you know, to really, uh, really uh, to, ex- to advance toward the Tikkun. That's what it means. And uh, that, that is obviously what seems to be likely, because it's hard to believe that the Rabbanishim brought out Esav to assist Yaakov, Esav, Edom, uh, Trump, to assist the Jewish people, which he is doing, and all of a sudden terminate that. It doesn't make any sense. And uh, so, you know, uh, this, this is what seems to be, to be happening, you know, to be uh, occurring. And that's the good news. So the bad news is that the, the, the entire Jewish people as, 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 as a whole is suffering. I mean, certainly the Jews in America, COVID, are, are suffering. And uh, the, all the Jews of Israel are also suffering. So like I say, that indicates that we're not looking here at a, a regular Oynish. We're looking at an, an Oynish, a punishment for the entire Jewish nation. And that itself indicates a redemption necessity. And that seems to be what's happening. You know. Um, so in many ways, like I say, it's not good that all the Jews are suffering. But what is go- good is that this is equivalent to the straw decree that Paroi made. And therefore that is messianic. So let's see what happens, you know. That's uh, certainly what we see so far. Uh, Does that you know. mean that Hashem appeared to Mashiach and Yosef? Does that mean what? That Hashem appeared yes. to Mashiach and Yosef? Uh, maybe, maybe not. You know, that could, that may or may not be. You know, because remember, the, what's critical is that the Mashiach and Yosef, his period of time is, na- is natural. There's no real miracles that we see. There's no open miracles that we see in his time. What we see is miracles of coincidence, that we see things that are just unbelievably happening, and all of a sudden, it's happening, you see. And uh, so that's a tremendous difference between his period of time and Mashiach ben David, is that the Mashiach ben Yosef's time is natural, Although it's still miraculous, but it's in a natural way. And the Mashiach ben David, that is already open miracles. So therefore, since it is natural, right, 
Um, he may not be informed of who he is, uh, except as time goes on. There will be some event that does tell him who he is. That is true. And that has to be also. But it doesn't necessarily have to be at the beginning, you see. So it could, um, it could be in a, in a different order from uh, from what happened. Because it says, Achari Kereshit. So it could be the same, but in a different order. You see, the the the, uh, the idea is, gracious. Behold, I will redeem you, right? The last redemption, which is now, gracious, like the first, which is Egypt. The reason why they are identical is because they both are stages in the identical spiritual event, and that is the tikkun. So the essential idea in the tikkun process, which I had said around Pesach time, right? The idea of the Tikkun process uh, is the, the Makas are really the ten spheres which were transformed into their, into their physical form. And since the illumination of the ten spheres now was in the direction or in the, on the side of holiness, therefore their transformation in a physical form destroyed Egypt, you see. And in the end, that's what the Jews do. They have to again illuminate the spheres, because that is the tikkun. The job of the Jew, which I think I once said, is to is to up is to uh, turn up, the, so to speak, the wattage or the the energy or the illumination of the spheres that will slowly change this world. That is the tikkun, you see, and that's exactly what happened in Egypt. And the ten, the ten markers are really the ten spheres, you see, turned or transformed into its physical analog to destroy Egypt. So that's really what happened. Therefore, since that was the spiritual process that occurs at that time, the identical uh, process will occur at the end of time. So in some manner, you also have you know, something which resembles the ten plagues. Because that will be the ten spheres that transform into some type of uh, um, physical harm to the entire world. Because, again, because it's the identical spiritual stages of, of redemption, of tikkun. That's why they are similar, you see. <clears throat> and, and that is why uh, Egypt serves as a model for what will be in the end. You see, and that's really what it is. So that that's how it, w- it works, and so on. So that's really what we're waiting for. <clears throat> I once mentioned that there are three very important psukim that refer to the Mashiach, Ben Yosef, <clears throat> and even to the redemption. And the first one is is that the redemption will happen out of nowhere. It's called Venahapechu, like Haman. Haman was overthrown in two nights. It was, he was gone. You know, now, that was something that even he did not uh, suspect. It happened so rapidly and so quick that he was utterly, tremendously overwhelmed. That's v'nahapichu, and it was overturned. And it was overturned in an incredible way, you see. So this is what's going to happen also at the end of time that all of a sudden evil will be overturned and it won't even 
It'll, it, it won't even, it'll be the, the uh, overturning will be, the reversal will be so quick that people will just gasp at the speed of the overturn. You see, it'll happen out of nowhere. The second thing is where the Rebunsham says, Stand back and watch the salvation of God. And then it says, you know, that Hashem Yilochim Lochem. God will fight for you. And you be silent. Uh, that means God will openly display when the time comes miraculous things. You know, and we already see it beginning to happen. You see, like the Arabs, for instance. From 2011, the Arab nations have been collapsing. And it's not because Israel had to go to war with them. It's like God said to Israel, you know, don't worry, stand back. I will destroy the Arab nations. So that really is already happening in that sense, you know. But it will certainly continue to happen where God himself will overturn what is happening. Just like he did with Russia and many other countries, you see. And the third thing is that Evan Moaswahabunam, the stone that everybody despised, the builders despised, they became the rock of salvation, the cornerstone. That means whoever the Mashiach Ben Yosef is, right, nobody would ever suspect uh, that he would be Mashiach Ben Yosef, you see. And that's what it is, in fact. Uh, there's a lot to talk about that, but uh, he, he's, he's, a, he's a figure which is in many ways mysterious. And the forerunner of that is Yosef HaTzadik. When, they, when, you know, when his brothers went to Egypt and they faced him, they didn't know he was Yosef. And then all of a sudden, out of no, nowhere, he says, I'm Yosef. I am Yosef. And the Medjus tells us, the Chazal tells us, that they were stunned. They were completely in shock. That's how far removed from them was the fact that they would even suspect that he could be Yosef. Well, guess what? That's exactly what's going to happen. Where the Mashiach bin Yosef, once he is apprised of who he is, he's going to say, I'm Yosef. I am the Mashiach. That's what he's going to say. And everybody's going to be stunned. You see, because he's a type of person that is not accepted in general by everybody. So many people will be in wonderment. This is the Mashiach Ben Yosef? Exactly. Because that's what the Rosham always does something. He does things in a way which in many ways is shocking. Like it's just out of nowhere. The last person that you would expect could be a Messiah. He's it. You see. And, and that basically is what's going to happen, you see. And we are, we are really, you know, incredibly close. Look at all these different signs that, that's happening, you see. <clears throat> and like I say, you know, we're waiting really for the, the greatest sign is the fall of the era of Rav. And that's happening. The tremendous amount of turmoil in Israel, riots, there's a tremendous amount of opposition to Netanyahu. Something's going to happen, and it's going to happen out of nowhere. One day, 
it'll be evil, and the next day it'll be tremendous toiv overnight. That's what's going to happen, you see. And uh, we are obviously very much uh, heading into that direction, you know. So, um, so the the messianic process will advance, and uh, and it will happen. Hopefully, it will happen very soon. You see. And um, one thing you see clear that the Sultan is fighting desperately not to be destroyed. All of the things that you see is satanic. The Sultan is desperately trying to destroy Trump. Why Trump? Because Trump, who is a, a, a like I once mentioned, he's a, a Rav Yavoy the older will serve the younger, because he is part of bringing the messianic process. He is, he's of which is aiding and abetting Yaakov, right, to do the Tikkun. So the Sutton doesn't want that, because that means, ultimately, that means his destruction. And that's really what's happening. You are watching an incredible attempt of the Sutton to change the mind of Americans and to vote for a very evil person, who is Biden and the entire radical left. You see, and um, this is what's happening. You see, any questions? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Any questions? Um, so now the the whole uptick that we having with COVID, and that they might be shutting down all the Jewish areas. You think that all has to do with um, uh, to the to, to add to Yesudin so that we could get a kapara? Yes, that's what it's all about. It's an Rabbi, exact uh, duplicate of what happened in Egypt. Rabbi, did you feel a difference between Rosh Hashanah, the energy, and right now? It went down, way down. It dropped. But Rosh Hashanah, you're when you say energy, what do you mean? The energy was very high, and then it just went like it just seeped down low. Feel it? No. No? No. No. Nope. Not not really. Not at all. We do. Um, but okay. also, it, it, I'll tell you what we feel. We, it's not the um, spirituality high, because that's still there. It's just that the energy of the people in general um, on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, uh, everyone was more elevated. And once Yom Kippur finished, um, and we got sucked back into the whole, they might be shutting COVID, us down, COVID. and they're picking only on us, and they're, it's, it's uh, you know, anti-Semitically driven, and now there's fear, and then it's just, Everything we were on Yom Kippur, it's like uh, by day by day, it's, it's diminishing, like you're losing it. You're losing that spiritual high that you were on. That's the, but it uh, makes sense, okay. Rabbi. It's exactly what you said with the straw. When, when Moshe Rabbeinu told them about the, that they had to go uh, gather the straw, they, they were all upset and they were all depressed and they were all down. That's yeah. the down. That's the feeling. Yes. Exactly. That's what's going to happen. It's like a roller coaster. You know, 
Right. All of a sudden, Moshe Rabbeinu comes, right, and he says he announces that he is the messianic figure and that God is going to take them out of Egypt. Could you imagine the high that they were on? And then all of a sudden, the next day, after he appears to Parai, right, and he does the, the act with the snakes, Parai says they've got to gather straw. Could you imagine the letdown that they experienced? You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, it, it's incredible. But I that's felt. the feeling we were feeling. Yom Kippur, yeah. I was on such a high, and then it's like you're going nose dive yeah, down, and it's like it's like a, your your emotions. It's very hard to like. Uh, yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Home and very, you know, it's a lot of it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. So what it basically is 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 that like I say, you know. Uh, it's basically a tremendous urida, you know, diminishment of a high because we are in the midst of the, what I call the straw zero. That's the problem. You see, because Yisrael, the Jewish people, they need a tremendous kapara because, you know, there are so many Jews that are gone totally. 80% of the Jews are assimilating. It's a korban. The Jews are disappearing, and uh, therefore, you know, whatever whoever's guilty of any sin, all of them need a kapara before the Mashiach comes. So that's what you're really experiencing: the fall of of the of the energy. You see, so it rises and it falls. So what is Hoshana Rabbah? So that's the real the real seal. So, Hoshana Rabbah. Yes. Yeah. Isn't that the real seal that that, that yes. Hashem seals things? Okay. Yes. So, uh, would that like bring an end to this up and down? Because if once the seal's there, the you know it is you know it. Yeah, but the head up and down, even when he's out of Egypt. Well, look, you have to remember, you know, Hoshana Rabbah, like you said, is a seal, and that's the gzera is sealed. So. If, but that doesn't stop the punishment. It just means that the punishment will turn into a redemption. That's the that's the the gzera, the the decree or the verdict, I should say, is that the gula will happen. But whatever is necessary for the gula still has to continue. You see, we don't know how long that will continue. The lockdown in Israel is terrible, and I heard that they may want to extend it for many weeks. I mean, that's going to destroy Israel economically, you see. And you can imagine what's going on in terms of money, the poverty and so on, you know. you know. And in America, you have a rise in Lakewood and in, in the, all the Jewish, all the uh, Orthodox communities. Williamsburg and Flatbush and Borough Park and so on, you know. Um, so that, that's going to continue until God says that enough is enough. And they have suffer, suffered enough. And therefore, I can take them out, which, which will happen, you see. Uh, but we are in that midst. You know, you have to understand, what exactly is the analog to this? And the answer is that Chazal call it Chevlei Leido, childbirth. Why is it called childbirth? Which all of you have experienced, right? What it is is that imagine the infant is inside, 
and it has a great life. And all of a sudden, it begins to be pushed down, right? And as it's pushed, its head is getting crushed. So that could could be thinking to itself, if it actually thought, I'm, it's over with, I'm finished, I'm dying, you see? Because it doesn't understand what's happening. Meanwhile, its head is being crushed, right? Its body is being crushed because it's entering a canal to, to emerge, you see? And as it's going down that canal, it's thinking that it's over. It's going to, be die. It's going to, it's going to die, right? And all of a sudden, it emerges into a world that it couldn't even imagine before. You know, even if an infant had intelligence, it could never Im- imagine what a world looks like outside of the uterus. It's impossible. That is exactly what is happening by the, the messianic approach, you see. What it is, is childbirth, which must be introduced by a tremendous amount of uh, pain, and that's the hardest time, and also uh, grief, because everything looks like it's going downhill. And then out of nowhere, it just saved. You see, I mean, think about this. Uh, the Jews are at Yamsuf, and all of a sudden, right, they're trapped against the sea. And all of a sudden, they see Paroi, Pharaoh, with his entire army. You know, the, he had the 600 chariots, whatever, you know. Uh, and they know that their back is against the sea, and they have no place to run. And Paroi has his spears and all that. Could you imagine what the despair was that they are now about to face the Egyptian army and be slaughtered? You see? Instead, do you think anyone there other than Moshe Rabbeinu or maybe Aaron Akoyen, you think anybody of the Jews thought that the sea would split? Of course not. Seas don't split. You see? So in their mind, they all thought they were doomed. And what happened? The sea split. Why did the Muslim do that to them? Because he wanted them to believe in him and have bitachon. They have to trust God. That God is not going to do this to the Jews. He's not going to destroy them. You see, on the contrary, he's going to save them, free them, redeem them. And that's exactly what happened. And God does this. He does this many times. Where he will take a person and put him in a terrible situation... And that person says, how am I going to ever get out of this situation? And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, right, the door opens and he's free. This is what's happening now, you see. Uh, when the Jews are looking at the United States and they're seeing that it's going to be a tremendous rise of anti-Semitism if Biden gets in, then you have COVID, and then you have all the riots destroying so many Jewish stores, you know, so many Jewish shops and stores and businesses. So a Jew says to himself, forget about it. How am I going to ever get out of this situation? Um, but the truth is, is that the Rebbeinu is doing it because he wants the Jewish people to believe, to have bitachon, to have trust in him, no matter what. So that's part of the reason why the Jews suffer. 
God wants the Jews to believe in him. He, and what's even not more important, but important is that he wants the Jewish people to trust him, that he will not abandon them, you see. So therefore, to bring that situation or that test, it gets worse, you see. So getting worse is not only because of suffering. It's also to put the Jews in a situation that they have to trust God, that he knows what he's doing, you see. And that's, in many ways, what's happening. You know, it looks very dark, you know, in terms of what's going to be with the United States, what's going to be with Israel, the era of Rav, and so on, you know. It looks like everything is in turmoil. However, it's going to turn around. And when it turns around, everybody's going to be in a state of shock. And that's really what's happening now. Let's see. So, like I say, that's why the, the rabbis, Chazal, that's why they describe all of this as childbirth. That is the suffering of the end. That's what it's called. Because right after that suffering, the child will emerge into a new world that it could not even suspect or be even believe that such a world exists. You, know, you see... And and and, uh, and so on. And so that's that's in many ways what's happening. Uh, the like Jewish people they have to the stick. Up. They have to really stick to it. Yeah. I feel like after the election, that's when like like baby's gonna come out. You know what I'm saying? Like that's when you're gonna see if 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 Trump wins. That's what you're gonna see. You're gonna see all everything that you're saying. Yes. Yeah there will be an enormous sense of relief in the United States when he wins. Enormous. Because that's how close. What God has done is he has placed America at the brink of annihilation. Never happened before, you know, that America should be placed at the edge of the cliff, at the brink of annihilation, and that it should be threatened by the destruction of the American values and instead should become a, a failed socialist economy and a communist state, never happened before, you see. But God is bringing the darkness. And remember, the window is closing. And we are almost at the point where the window is almost shut. And right when it's about to be shut, the gate opens, you see. In fact, that's exactly what God did in 2016. Everybody said that Hillary was going to win. Except me. But basically, everybody said that, right? In fact, they were saying that Hillary is going to, has a 90% chance of winning, and Trump has a 10%. And when it happened, the reverse... Everybody was absolutely stunned what happened. We all remember that, you see. And that's exactly because the, the victory of Trump in the beginning, in many ways, is a beginning of a messianic process. Because Edom, in order to be able to help Yaakov, right, this happens only at the end. The tshuva of Esau only will happen at the end of time. 
It will not happen before, you see. So the fact that it happened out of nowhere against all possible odds and the fact that it happened now indicates that we are at the end, that these are the last stages of what is about to be. That's a very important idea, that that can only happen at the end. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about Sukkot and, like, what's what's the... The significance of it, or like the you know the behind the scenes of Sukkot. Well, I was going to so I tell you what you know I, because are we having a share next week? But what, uh, Monday night. Well, it's a Cholamoid Sukkot. Yes, I'm fine. You're fine, Rachel. Yeah, we're yeah. So I'm going to begin. So I'm going to begin talking about Sukkot now, okay? Yes. And I will conclude next Monday. Because there won't be enough time to finish the whole thing. Until, but like, you know, the Sivchat Torah and Hoshana Rabbah about that, you'll tell us next week. But the beginning of, of the Sukkot, so we have the right intentions when we get into the holiday. Well, most people, it's, which is interesting, you have to understand what a holiday really is. What exactly is a holiday? So you have to understand the framework of all of this. There are certain spiritual necessities that have to happen as part of the tikkun, you see. And the way God manages it, that it should happen, is he puts the Jews into certain historical events. And the way the Jews act in those historical events that will bring a tikkun. Okay. Now, one of the important ideas is that the Satan, initially by Adam Morrison, did not have control over the, over the universe that Adam Morrison lived in. He was external, outside of man. There was, man did not have a Yetzirah. What he had instead was a Satan in the form of a Nachash, snake, that would try to tempt him outside by convincing him with some type of an argument to sin. It was only after mankind sinned, or rather Adam Rishon sinned, and so on, that man fell into a different universe. Before that, he was in what's called Olam Yitzirah, the world of formation, which in many ways is the world of the angels. And when he sinned, he fell into the world of Asiya, which is this world, the world of action. And that world the Satan has control of. And the way he has control is called Zoyamor. Zoyamor is called, is a pollution. It's a type of polluting substance that when it enters anybody, it will destroy ultimately that person. You see, it's called decomposition. You see, so man fell into that when he sinned, and the zoyama of the Satan entered his body. You see, and because of that, the zoyama is a force that will decompose anything, because that's essentially what the Satan is: is a destroying force 
And therefore, since man sinned, and the Satan entered, or rather he entered the physical world, the world that the Satan has control of, then he dies, ultimately, because his body deteriorates. And that is the satanic force of the Zoyhamo, the pollution of the Satan. Now, therefore, there's a problem. The problem is, is that man really has to absorb tremendous amount of spirituality, ruchniot. But what is now a problematic is that man has zoyamo, and the zoyamo is a barrier to him having ruchnius, spirituality, kedusha, in his soul. This is a big problem, you see. So Adam and Rishon, by falling, increased the difficulty of having more kiddushah, more holiness, you see. <clears throat> Therefore, mankind has a job. You have to remove the zoyamo. And when you remove the zoyamo, then the kiddushah enters. Because you, what you do is you empower the sefirot to the mitzvahs, and the sefirot shine greater, and that uh, shefa, or that tremendous holiness, enters the person. But the zoyamo is a barrier. So therefore, God wants to remove the zoyamo. And the way he did it, basically, is Egypt. That's the real story of Egypt. It's not that we are only free from paroi, but we were free also from a polluting substance called the zoyamo. And when the Jews left Egypt, they had they, the Zoyama was removable, and they removed it slowly with the 49, day, 49 days of, uh, of uh, the Oymah, of the Tahara. So the essential idea of Pesach is what? The essential idea of Pesach is the removal of the Zoyama. Then we enter 49 days, which raises, or rather removes the Zoyama, all 49 levels of Tum'ah. And it raises the Jews to a tremendous level where they are now devoid of the Zoyama. And therefore, what enters them is Kiddushah. is a tremendous force of holiness. And that is the essential idea of Shavuos. So Pesach, the essential idea is no Zoyama. And Shavuos is the entry of tremendous Kiddusha in the form of the Torah. But what happened? There was a tremendous Chet Ho'ejel, the sin of the golden calf. And essentially what happened is the Zoyama re-entered the body of the Jewish people. And they again became subject to the death penalty. You see, but that's very bad. Very bad. So what happened is, therefore, is that God, Moshe Rabbeinu, knowing that this is very bad for the Jews, he went up to Sinai three times. Right? He went up in, uh, by Shavuos, the sixth day of Eo, right? Or Sivan, I should say. And he came down 40 days later, which is Shiva Osabit Thomas. And Shiva Osabit Thomas 
right? The Jews sinned with the golden calf. So Moshe Rabbeinu went up again 40 days from Shiva Osibetamas until Rosh Elul. And the main reason for that was to pray to God to forgive the Jews, you see. And uh, as a result of that, you know, they should continue. And God did forgive the Jews because Moshe Rabbeinu refused to be a replacement, which we know from the Torah. That Moshe Rabbeinu says, if you destroy the Jews, then erase me from your Torah. So that's the greatness of Moshe Rabbeinu because he was willing to sacrifice immortality but that the Jews should not be destroyed. It's a sign of a true leader. In any case, so he came down 40 days later, which is where Shchodesh Elul, you see. But Moshe Rabbeinu realized that what God may do, right, is he may say, you know, I can't put all my eggs in one basket. So what I'll do is besides Jews that will do the Tikkun, I will also pick another nation that will do the Tikkun. Uh, so Moshe Rabbeinu went up again on Rosh Chodesh Elul, and he came down on Yom Kippur, or rather Yud Tishrei, 40 days. And he had God promise that he will not allow any other nation to do the Tikkun, obviously unless, unless they become a Jew. Fine. But as long as they remain a Goy, they cannot do the Tikkun. What happened? So therefore, what Moshe Rabbeinu got God to do is to reinstate the original agreement. And therefore, when they did the Chet Edel, the clouds of glory, the Anoni HaKovod, <clears throat> which symbolizes the protection that the Jews have, they will be guaranteed Eilim Habo that left them. With no Anonim, they left. Because that symbolized that God wants to take away his agreement with the Jewish people. You see, he wants to end the contract because of the golden calf. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> however, Moshe Rabbeinu got God to forgive the Jews. And he also got God not only to forgive the Jews, but to, to also say that he will not take any other nation. So what God did is he reinstated the original agreement, you see, with the Jewish people. And therefore the clouds returned on the 15th day of Tishrei. Now the 15th day of Tishrei is the first day of Sukkot. So you now understand what Sukkot really is. The essential idea of Sukkot is that it is a reinstatement of the original agreement that God made with the Jewish people, right, when he gave them the Torah. That now he, in a certain way, forgave them. He won't give it to any other nation. So therefore, it's reinstated, you see. And that's what the, Sukkot, the, the essential idea of Sukkot is that he reinstated the original Brit, the covenant, the agreement that he gave with the Jewish people. You see, and therefore, the original event of Sukkot really is when the clouds returned. Because that signal 
that the Jews are now under the protection of God, which means that they will be guaranteed a place in the future world. Because that's what protection really means. It doesn't mean protection from enemies. It means protection in the sense that you cannot lose your position in the future world. So we now understand the three holidays. The first holiday, Pesach, right? The spiritual necessity was to remove the Zoyamo. The second holiday, which is Shavuot, the spiritual necessity is to accept the Torah, Kedusha. And the third spiritual necessity only happened because of the sin of the golden calf. So the necessary idea was to reinstate, to re- you know, in other words, to reverse, to undo the, uh, the um, cancellation of that agreement and to reinstate the agreement. And that is Sukkot. And that answers many, many questions, by the way. See, what I'm telling you, most people are unaware of. That is the real pnimiyut. That's the real internal idea or the real tikkun that happened in Sukkot. Therefore, we do two things. And that's the concept of an agreement. We repeat the terms of the agreement. So, the, 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 we do two things. One is we, we bless the four species, Lulav, Esrei, Hadassim, and Arobas, because they represent the mitzvot, you see? In fact, Etrog is Gematria 610, Esrei, right? Together with three species, Arobas, Hadassim, right? And Lulav is 613. So by waiving these four species, we are demonstrating that we will observe the Tariag Mitzvahs. And that is our part of the contract. In other words, that's our statement of the contract, that we will observe these mitzvot. The second thing is we sit in a sukkah, which tells us, right, that the sukkah, which is really the, the house of God in that sense, will protect us. So we sit in the shadow of God. And that is the concept of the clouds returning. That we do the mitzvahs and God will again resurrect the protection or the guarantee that he will give us to be in the future world. And all of this is accompanied by tremendous simcha. There's a tremendous... Of course, there's a mitzvah simcha in all holidays, but there's an especial one of simcha in the sukkahs. Why? Because the sukkah is the reinstatement of the original agreement that was canceled because of the chet and now it's restored. That is, in many ways, what exactly is happening in sukkahs. You see, and to show. That, uh, that it's successful. So Sukkot is really only basically seven days, right, until the end of Hoshana Rabbah. So that is our contribution, where we waive the four species for seven days. On the eighth day is Shemini Atzeret. Now Shemini Atzeret 
has no mitzvahs. Because that is the day of God's signature. So, so to speak, the reinstatement of the agreement is seven days for us, where we waive the lulav for seven days. That is our commitment to the agreement. And the commitment of God is Shminyat Seres, where there are no mitzvahs, there are no four species, right? And therefore God commits himself on that day. You see? So again, that is a statement of Shminyat Seres and Sukkot. So these are called the Tikkun events. But what's interesting is this, which I will dwell on next week more, is that God needs to introduce a second Tikkun device because the original events have to be repeated over and over again, you see. And that's the whole concept of, as we will see next week, the concept of the Korbonis, uh, which I will talk about. But you now understand something very important, that God sets up the Jewish people in terms of a spiritual necessity and initially, they are historical events. The historical event of Pesach, of course, is the uh, Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, the Exodus, which removes the Zoyamo. The historical event of Shavuos is giving of the Torah. And the historical event of Sukkot is where the clouds returned, you see. So those are the three events, times, and all of them have essential themes you see? And these are all Tikkun devices. However, they must be continued, these all devices. Because in, in a certain sense, the Jews have not succeeded in doing the real Tikkun. You see, we just re-entered the agreement. But the Tikkun has to continue. You see? And I am certainly going to speak about that. But when you go into the Sukkah, you are really going into the protection of God that you are guaranteed to be in the future world. And when you are involved with the Lud of an Esrit and so on, what you are really saying is, I will, I will do the mitzvot, taryag, no matter how long it takes, right? And I will wave it to all five, four corners of the globe. That's why you wave it all around. And to say that I will perform the mitzvot wherever I am, north, south, east, or west, on the planet, it doesn't make a difference, you see. So therefore, these mitzvot really, they, they in many ways demonstrate the essential themes of these three holidays, you see. But I, I'm going to talk about next week, why is there a pilgrimage? Why do we have to go to Jerusalem for this? That is a very important concept. I mean, you've got to go to Jerusalem, to the Beit HaMikdash, Three times a year. Why? And I will deal with that next week. Any questions so far? Okay. That means you're all ready for Sukkot. <laughs> sure. We Good. were definitely ready for Sukkot. So is there what was anything, that? What was that? Is there anything with the Sephirot that happens on Sukkot? Yes. That's right. That's why there are seven days, because we will have rectified seven sefirot that create this world. And the eighth sefira going up is Bina, and Bina is the beginning of Ulam Habo.
You see? So here's the contract. You do the mitzvahs, right, for seven days, which is other. You bring down the light of the seven sfirot and the beginning of the eighth sfira, which is Bina, into Chochmah, into Keser, that is God's end of the deal, and he will begin that on Shemini Atzeret. That's why, by the way, Shemini Atzeret, many people consider it the greatest of all the holidays. Because Sukkot, Sukkot itself is the reinstatement of the agreement. And God's end of the bargain is right, is that he will bring Olam Habo, that's his end of the bargain. And that is represented by Shemini Atzeret. That is why there is no mitzvahs on Shemini Atzeret. You don't wave the four species. You don't sit in the sukkah. Why? Because that day represents God's end of the bargain, not ours. And that, the, his end of the bargain is to give us ilm habo, or immortality but forever. But also, in Olam Haba, there aren't mitzvahs. What was that? In Olam Haba, there aren't really mitzvahs. Correct. There are no mitzvahs. So, that is the time when you receive the same thing. On Shemini Atzeres, you receive. You don't do anything. Because that's Oilam Habo. And by the way, what do you receive in Oilam Habo? You receive the Torah, but not the Torah that we have. It's a Torah at the spiritual level, you see. And that's why Simcha Torah is on Shemini Atzeres. Because that... Because Simchas Torah really represents the awe of Olam Habo. That we, and that's why we dance. That dancing isn't only because we have the Torah now. It's because we will have the ultimate level of the Torah on the eighth day, which is Olam Habo. You see? That's the Simchas Torah, which is very important. That's why that Simchas Torah is not Shavuos. Because the question is, why don't we have Simchas Torah on Shavuos? That's when we got the Torah. Because the Torah that we got on Shavuos ultimately was what? Was the breaking of the Luchas. It was a lower level of Torah. But the Torah that you get on Shemini Atzeres is the Torah of what? Of the redemption and Olam Habo. That's why there's such incredible dancing. You see? It's a different... It's not a different Torah. It's Torah at a different level that the angels wanted to understand. You see? And I'll dwell on that much more next week. Rabbi, the number eight, which is the eighth day, means... Yes. Gematria what? Is Gematria what? The, the number eight, the eighth day of... Um, the eighth day is... Mahatarah. Yeah. Eighth day. Is what? Simchat Torah is the eighth day. So yeah. Is there anything significant about the eighth, number eight? Simchat Torah is the ninth day, but that's because we are in Chutzlarts. But in Israel, Shemina Tzeres is Simchat Torah. Right? Yes. And that's the real Simchat Torah. Except we have an extra day because of, we don't know which day, because the whole concept of, you know, the calendar. But really, uh, Simchas Torah is on Shemini Atzeres. It is not on the, and now, by us, it's on the ninth day. 
But really, in Israel, it's on the eighth day. And that's really when it should be. You see? 